Ask Aubrey is supported by Eliza and Wild. Eliza and Wild creates all-natural, high-potency CBD products designed to give you targeted, everyday self-care inside and out. Their ingestible and topical CBD products are consciously designed with all-natural and intentionally sourced ingredients and fully recyclable packaging. So it's good for you and for the earth. And y'all, Eliza and Wild literally does not have a single product that I don't love. I have them all. And everything smells and tastes incredible and is made with ingredients that I can feel good about putting on and in my body. I take the CBD and MCT oil drops daily, and they help me to really keep my anxiety and my tension under control. And they also have a line of amazing CBD topical products, including this lip balm that I am truly obsessed with. And like, did you know that CBD actually has anti-inflammatory properties when you apply it directly to your skin? Because I didn't until I started to use this lip balm and it is changing my life. And also it smells amazing, which we all know is really important. And I know that you're going to love these products just as much as I do. So when you grab yours at elizaandwild.com, you can use the promo code Aubrey15 at checkout for 15% off your order. That's elizaandwild.com, E-L-I-Z-A-A-N-D-W-Y-L-D.com. And make sure to use code Aubrey15, that's A-U-B-R-E-E-1-5, for 15% off. Hey there, my name is Aubrey Henderson. I'm a self-worth coach and professional calm in the chaos. I believe that when you're feeling stuck in your life and you can't decide on the next right step, that getting some perspective or a pep talk from someone outside of your shoes can be an absolute game changer. This podcast is that pep talk. Every week, I'll share my responses to listener questions, real life coaching sessions, and interviews about topics that you can connect with and learn from. All things that will help you to reconnect with your own self-worth and inner goodness and vision for your life so you can feel great and get shit done. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, babes. Welcome to this week's episode. In this episode today, I am going to talk to you about the fear of being too much. And I'm doing air quotes <laughs> around too much, but because it's a podcast and not a video, you can't see me doing that. So just trust that if I'm saying too much, there are air quotes around that idea. Um, but we're going to talk about this idea of being too much of something. So whether that's an idea that you are too needy, that's one I hear a lot, too angry, too emotional, too loud, too clingy, too, insert adjective here, whatever it is, so many of us carry around this fear of being too much of something. And whatever that is for you, I am so glad that you are listening to this episode right now because I think, one, this idea can be really damaging and hurtful and is tough to carry around. It's heavy. And so you know, it creates all of this, all of this doubt and all of these, you know, feelings about ourselves that hurt 
And so I think it's important for us to really dig deeper into this fear that we carry and kind of peel back the layers and really get at the root of where this is coming from. And so, you know, let's talk about it. For me, and I think for, you know, for a lot of people I've talked to, for me, and honestly, if you're listening to this, probably for you, we hear these messages around being too much from a couple of places, okay? So you probably hear it from your inner critic voice. So that voice in your head, whatever it is that you call it, but the voice in your head that, you know, says nasty things to you that's critical, that is, you know, always putting you down or telling you you're not good enough. That's your inner critic voice. So we hear these messages of you're to this, you're to that from that voice. We sometimes hear feedback like this directly from other people in our lives, okay? And even more likely is you probably hear them from both. So this message that we are too, insert adjective here. And, you know, even if it originally is coming from an external source, so another human being, and that can be a significant other, a parent, a teacher, a colleague, a friend, an enemy, whatever. But that message can come from another person. And another person can say, hey, Aubrey, you're too emotional. Okay. And what my inner critic is going to do is she is going to grab onto that so tight and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. Our inner critic grabs that message. They hold on for dear life. They latch onto it. And then they repeat it for us over and over. And remember, we've talked about this before. So a few episodes ago, I kind of did a whole deep dive on the idea of, you know, the purpose that your inner critic serves. But your inner critic really is just a wounded version of you. Okay, your inner critic is a wounded version of you who wants to protect you from being wounded in the same ways again. So what it's going to do is it's going to repeat this hurtful message that you've heard. It's going to repeat it over and over and over again to make sure you hear it and to make sure you don't forget it and that you get used to it, that you get acclimated to this idea of like, okay, you know, my significant other told me that I'm too clingy. So let me just drill that message in so we don't forget. I'm too clingy. I am too clingy. Don't be too clingy. And what that's going to do is not only is it going to, you know, really solidify that for you so you don't forget and then step into that trap of being called too clingy again. You don't want to be too clingy because someone might point it out and call you too clingy, which hurts. You know, these messages are painful. But what it also does is the, the goal there is to then ease the sting of it a little bit if and when somebody does call you that again. somebody If somebody were to say, you're too clingy, that's not a shocking new revelation for you. It's painful. It reaffirms what you feared to be true. But if you're hearing that message from your inner critic over and over again, if you've said it a million times already to yourself, it's not a new message. It's not a shocking message, right? But ultimately, when we really peel back the layers of the, you know, proverbial onion here. And we ask ourselves what we're really afraid of when we worry about being too much of something. When we're worried about being too much of something, nine times out of 10, that fear isn't really about being that thing. Okay, so if somebody's calling me clingy or needy, If I think about it, and this is true for me, I actually don't 
don't care or don't perceive negatively the, the idea that I'm affectionate or that I like feeling affection from other people, that I like giving or receiving affection. I love that about myself. I love getting to show people love and care. And I love feeling affirmed in the fact that they love me back. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if I'm just asked about kind of that trait, I don't perceive those traits negatively, right? But where I think the fear kicks in for me, because I'm not, I'm not afraid of being loving. I'm not afraid of being loved and being affirmed. And some people are, so this is different for everybody, right? But for me, I'm not afraid of being loving, of being affirmed by other people. Those qualities on their own are not what I fear. It's not a fear for me that those things are true. Where the fear comes in is that I do care and I am very afraid that there could be a person that I love and that I desire connection with and somebody that I want to sustain a relationship with. And what if they see my affection and my desire for affirmation or affection in return? What if they see those qualities of mine and they believe that they are too much. They believe that I am too needy or I am too clingy or too whatever. They decide that about me. They decide that I am too needy for them or for their standard. And what if they then distance themselves from me? Okay. Or they outright reject me or reject a relationship with me because of this, because of who I am or how I'm showing up. Then I'm going to care a hell of a lot about whether I'm needy. That's what makes me afraid of being needy. And so quickly then, that's going to become a trait that I view as undesirable. I attach these ideas of being loving and of being expressive in my affection and of desiring that back from other people and, you know, being willing to kind of request those things from other people, right? I'm going to associate those qualities with being too needy. I'm going to view those qualities as undesirable, And I'm going to try to not be that thing. I'm going to actively kind of work against those qualities or suppress them and push them down. And this is because underneath this, this fear of being too much, it's a defense mechanism that's covering what we're actually afraid of, which is rejection. And so I'll say that again. The fear of being too much is not the actual fear. The fear of being too much is a defense mechanism covering what we are actually afraid of, which is rejection. And so we naturally begin to move away from those qualities or traits or behaviors that we think other people might push us away or reject us for. And in some ways, this is rooted in a behavior that's adaptive, right? We are naturally going to, you know, flex ourselves to respect other people's preferences, right? We want to understand what other people need and want and work with them and with their boundaries. We're social creatures. This makes sense. So if we have, you know, a friend who's allergic to peanuts, we might not eat peanuts around them. And even if we like peanuts, we might not, you know eat peanut butter around them willy-nilly because they're allergic. Or, you know, if your friend is really, really bothered by swearing, you might 
tone down your language in front of that friend because you know that's a preference of theirs, right? And so, you know, those things are all well and good. We're trying to be inclusive of the people we care about. These are efforts to not be an asshole. You know, we can flex parts of ourselves sometimes to accommodate preferences. But where that goes too far and what I think can also happen is that we can do this with fundamental parts of our personality and our identity. Right? So, you know, with the things that make you truly who you are. So, you know, me not eating peanuts at one meal, even though I like peanuts, is not a compromise of my identity. That's a compromise to help my friend stay alive or stay comfortable, right? But me liking to eat peanut butter is different from me liking to show affection ex- like externally to the people that I care about. Those are different kind of levels of you know, connection to identity and, you know, whether that's an inherent part of you and who you are. And at least it is for me. The way that I show affection, the way that I show love is a central piece of my personality and my identity. And so, you know, this is where traits like being the things that come after the word too, like too angry or too emotional or too needy come into play. Because these are descriptors that say something about how we show up in the world and in our relationships and what's important to us and what our needs are and how we get them met. And so if we have a reason to believe that someone we care about might reject us on the grounds of our identity, then what a lot of us will do, and not everybody will do this, but chances are, if you're listening to me right now, you probably fall into this category or you have at some point. What a lot of us will do is we'll suppress that part of who we are. Because what feels most important is preserving the relationship. We want to preserve the relationship and the connection and the bond above all else. And this, we're even more willing to do this, you know, depending on kind of the, the, you know, ranking or the space that that person holds. If this is like a significant other or a parent or a best friend or somebody who's, you know, whose love and affection is like, feels like it'll make or break us. It, we're even more willing to kind of suppress and push aside that part of ourselves, right? Keeping that person happy and maintaining the relationship become more important to us than honoring that piece of ourselves. But the thing here is that when we contort ourselves into something that we think other people want us to be, and when we mute the most messy and vulnerable and authentic parts of ourselves in an attempt to avoid rejection, we are actually ensuring it. We are actually guaranteeing rejection for ourselves. And not necessarily because the other person will reject you, but because what you have just done is a self-rejection. When you choose to preserve someone else's comfort to avoid rejection over honoring your own identity and who you are, then you have made a decision to reject or to abandon pieces of yourself. And the really sad thing is that we're doing this in part to preempt the pain of rejection. So in the same way that your inner critic is telling you, you're too needy, you're too clingy, you're too this, you're too that, 
over and over and over so you believe it and internalize it. And so if you hear it from someone else, maybe it'll hurt less. Maybe if I just say it enough, if I get ahead of it, you know, I can numb myself out and it'll hurt less. What you're doing here with this self-rejection is you're preemptively rejecting a part of yourself before someone else can make the decision to do that. You are preemptively rejecting a part of yourself before someone else can make the decision to reject you. And we tell ourselves that if we're the ones to do it, that maybe it'll hurt less. But y'all, I actually think that this is more damaging. The self-inflicted rejection is more damaging because you are the only person you have to live with forever. I mean, I feel like this is like the, you know, like kind of cheesy thing that goes around that's like fall in love with yourself because you're the only person that will never leave you. But like really and truly, you are the only person that you have to live with forever. You are actually the only person that you have a true responsibility for pleasing and nourishing and honoring all of the time. You. And so at this point, the question then, I guess, becomes, okay, Aubrey, yes, this is true. I do this. I contort myself into something unrecognizable to avoid rejection. I do this. So what do I do about it now? And something I think is kind of magical, right, is (laughs) self-awareness, just in general. But here, I think self-awareness of this pattern, being able to listen to this and think like, oh my God, I do this. This is a thing that I do. Self-awareness of this and realizing that you are doing it in the first place is its own kind of magic. Because starting right now, even if you don't overhaul everything you're doing right away, even if you can't, you know, change the behavior with the snap of your fingers, which you probably can't, it, you know, takes a little more intentionality than that. But even if you continue to struggle with this, just noticing at first is really, really powerful. Noticing when that inner critic voice says those words too much or too something, right? When you hear those words, using that as a cue to kind of interrogate what you're really afraid of. And if you're operating from a place of fear of rejection and having that inner critic conversation with yourself that we talk about, right? You know, I advocate for this, to have a conversation with your inner critic. Go inward. Don't be afraid to look a little crazy and have a conversation with yourself, whether it's in writing, whether it's verbally, however you want to do it. Have that conversation. Okay, so so what if I am too needy? Or... You know, okay, you're telling me this person thinks I'm too needy. What data do I have to support that conclusion? Does this person actually believe this? You know, what would it look like if I had a conversation with that person about this fear? What if they do actually believe this about me? What if this person does actually think that I'm too emotional? What does that mean? What would feel like a healthy compromise for the relationship if I had to compromise on part of this? What would feel like a healthy compromise And what would feel like sacrificing who I am? So these are these are all questions that you can ask yourself anytime these thoughts come up. 
And what's important is not necessarily that you're asking the perfect questions, but that you're interrogating it, that you're not accepting this idea as truth. You know, oh, I am too needy, so, you know, better turn down the volume on that part of who I am. But instead to think about why am I having this thought? What am I afraid of? What is underneath that? And so I guess what I'm really challenging you to do, what I'm really asking you is this. What if you made a conscious decision to choose yourself? So to risk the possibility of rejection by refusing to abandon yourself. And ultimately, you know, I think this boils down to really embodying a belief that keeping yourself intact is more important than keeping a relationship intact. And also a belief that you can survive rejection. You know, we are afraid of rejection because it hurts. It is painful. It is scary. It's hard. And even though it it will be or could be all of those things, painful, difficult, messy, uncertain. Believing that if someone rejects you for being who you really are and not being ashamed of it, then you can absolutely survive that rejection. And look, this shit is not easy, okay? I don't present any of this under any you know, sort of misguided belief that it's easy. I've been on this journey myself for years and years, and I, you know, have worked through this in ways that are really painful and ways that are really meaningful to me. And I know firsthand that it is not easy. If it was easy, you would have figured it out already. And you wouldn't be listening to me right now. And so, you know, if the thought of this makes you so nervous or anxious that you kind of want to puke right now thinking about it, you are not alone. But if there's any part of it that also thrills you or intrigues you or, you know, makes you feel a hint of relief even just a little bit, then I really think that we should talk. In addition to this weekly podcast, I also coach folks one-on-one around all things self-worth, including this, you know, persistent fear and anxiety around being too much. And for anyone who is curious about coaching or wants to learn more, I actually offer a totally free consult and sample session where we'll talk a little bit about what we can accomplish together do a little bit of live coaching so you can, you know, see what coaching with me would really feel like for you, you know, give you space to ask questions and ultimately for us to decide if coaching with me is right for you. So whether you are just curious or ready to jump in, you can learn more and sign up at aubreyhenderson.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this episode was helpful to you. If you are someone who struggles with or has struggled with this fear or worry around being too much, and just so you know, you are not. You're not too much of anything. You are exactly enough. And I also just wanted to share as a quick FYI, I am going to be taking um, next week off from releasing a new podcast um, just to, you know, take a moment to pause, some self-care, also some, 
you know, podcast scheming and planning um, for the next couple of months of episodes. So I will be back with a new podcast on Monday, June 1st. Thanks, babes. Enjoy your next couple weeks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson, and I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old-fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.